In you was life, and that life was the light of the world. Light of the world, we give you thanks this day for coming into the world, for giving us light, for giving us life, for giving us hope, for giving us what we could never have thought to receive from you. And we are grateful, Lord, for the way you do come and bring us home in Christ's name. It is so good to see people here today. <laughs> and I look forward, so deeply look forward to the day when uh, folks online can come and join us as well. And, and that will feel like coming home, won't it, when that happens. And that's kind of the theme, as you remember, of our Advent series. And I, I've been thinking about Advent, and I've been thinking about the theme of coming home. I couldn't help but uh, think back over the last 31 years or so of parenting and watching uh, movies, family movies, uh, during those 31 years. There's been a theme that I have seen uh, that has come up over and over again, and the theme can be expressed in three words. Three words that I have heard said in many different movies that I've seen over the years. For instance, Shadow says it in, in Homeward Bound. Woody says it in, Home, in Toy Story 2. It comes up in Aladdin, Free Willy, uh, Count of Monte Cristo, and uh, The Father of the Bride. I did a quick search, uh, just a quick search of it, and I found these same three words showing up in the last 75 years in just about 100 different movie genres and movie and TV shows and such like that. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. It goes a whole lot deeper than that from a theme. I think these three words kind of communicate a desire that's on everyone's heart in the world. The three words are simply these. Let's go home. You know, it feels like COVID-19 is combined with uh, things like cultural unrest and political uncertainty and natural disasters, things like this, to just kind of put a deepened sense of wanting to go home in all of our hearts and minds. We want to return to that place that feels comfortable, that place that has security, that place that brings peace, the place where we feel like we belong. And so that's what we're going to do here this, uh, this Advent season. We're taking the time to remember and reclaim the truth. But the incarnation means that no matter what is going on around us and no matter what's going on within us, we can be home for the holidays because home has come to us in Jesus Christ. So last week, David began by uh, talking about how God brings us home to himself. And today we want to talk about how God brings us home to ourselves. I start there, coming home to myself. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's kind of a strange sort of statement, isn't it? It, it kind of suggests that there are uh, things about me that are unnatural, that are not supposed to be there. It, it kind of carries the idea that there is something in me that mitigates against home, that pushes against home, that robs me of the peace of the feeling of belonging, of the security that home brings. And I guess it's not that strange, because uh, Scripture speaks about that. Uh, the most classic example is from Romans chapter 7. Paul writes, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. See, the inner conflict and the lack of peace is evidence of the fact that we are not yet home. 
It is evidence of the fact that, that we are not yet the people God has designed us to be. A few verses later, Paul picks this up again in, in uh, Romans 8, 5. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Those are two elements of being home, right? A feeling of life, a feeling of peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. That's just what Jesus said to the disciples in John 14, didn't he? He said that the Father will send the Spirit who will live in you forever and will lead you into all truth. He said that through the Spirit, the Father and the Son would make their home in us. God lives in you. You are God's home. And because God lives in you, you can come home to yourself. When understood through a biblical lens, this idea of coming home to yourself doesn't seem that strange. I mean, we know it. So, so when we're born, we're born with a sinful nature, and that sinful nature separates out, us out from God so that God cannot be with us. When we come to faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven, the Holy Spirit comes to enter our lives, and the Holy Spirit and the sinful nature live together for this interim period that we're in. And they don't do well together. Galatians says this, Paul speaks to the churches in Galatia, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You see, to come home to ourselves is to, is to embrace the Holy Spirit's reality in our lives and to allow him to empower us to live as God intended us to live. It could be said that for this moment, while we are living in this interim period between Christ's first and second coming, for this moment, we experience two different realities. We experience the person that God desires us to be, wants us to be, created us to be, and the person that sin desires us to be. When I think about it, I think about the difference between the authentic self, who we are meant to be, and the adaptive self. The authentic self is who God intended us to be when he first created us. It is the self that Christ came to redeem and restore and recreate us to be. The authentic self finds its rest in God alone, knowing that all of our deepest needs are fully met in him. Now, the adaptive self is who we have made ourselves to be. When we denied God's way in the Garden of Eden, we said, no, I want to follow my own way. I'm going to go ahead and eat of this tree that you said, no, I mean, I want to follow my own way. When we denied God's way, we had to create our own way. 
And so we adapted what God intended by adding to our lives attitudes, actions, and beliefs that were going to give us what we needed. Rather than look to God to provide our deepest needs, we adapt our approach so that we think we can meet our own needs and our own desires. While the authentic self looks to God to find its value and worth, the adaptive self thinks that value and worth comes from what I have, what I can do, and what other people think of me. So, here's one simple example of how this stuff kind of worked out in my life. I'm going to go deep into my childhood here and bring out a few things for you. For those who are aware of Myers-Briggs, I am an ISTJ. For those who are aware of the Enneagram, I am an Enneagram 1. Some people in the congregation are going, oh, that explains a lot now. <laughs> and others are going, what did he just say? The point I want to make is simply this. My God-given personality has me wanting to do things correctly, in the right order, and with the best process. That's the way I'm wired. There's nothing wrong with that. But when I choose to rely on something other than God, when I choose to rely on myself to give myself what I deeply feel like I need, that's when things can start to go on sideways. Growing up, I had a hard time getting things right according to my definition of right. I, I struggled in several areas. I struggled in the physical area. When I was four years old, I had corrective eye surgery, which left me with monocular vision. I didn't even know that until I was in my mid-20s. I thought I was just like everybody else that was out there. Now, have you ever tried to hit a baseball, catch a pop fly, or sink a free throw when you don't have much depth perception? I tended to interpret my inability to perform on the playground. Something wrong with me. I wasn't as good as all the other boys out there. That's the way I was interpreting it, right? Now, my academic and my relational struggles only added to this conclusion, so my desire to be right and to do well led me to believe that any time that I failed in any area, and my definition of failure was a lot higher than others, or lower than others might think, because uh, my goal was way up here. Uh, any time that I failed, it was a reason for extreme shame, because everyone would now reject me. I was not acceptable. I wasn't able to sink the basket or do whatever it was or figure out the math problem. And so, because you can't live in that kind of realm, I adapted, right? And the way I chose to adapt, this was just me, others would, do, would choose to do differently. Believing myself to be lacking, I decided that I would hide, that I would become a non-player, that I would just kind of be off on the side a little bit. And so I began, well, there were moments where I, I needed to engage, I would engage when I had to engage, but my preference was to stay in the shadows with uh, small dreams and low expectations because that way I could limit the extent of my failure and I could mitigate the full force of shame that I would feel. Now when Jesus brought me to faith, uh, the Holy Spirit began addressing this lie that I had put on as the truth. And while we've come a long way, the Holy Spirit and I, over the last couple of decades, I gotta tell you, there are still moments where iterations of this lie keep popping through, and I have to consciously choose to believe what God says about me, and not what this lie has said about me, this lie that I picked up and put on years ago. This is just one of the adaptations I made in my childhood to try to figure out a way to survive in this fallen world. What about you? 
What adaptations have you made? What, what beliefs and actions and attitudes have you put onto your life? And why have you done that? Have you ever, ever thought about that? Why is it that you push so hard to get your way? Why do you back down so quickly? Why are you so harsh with yourself and, and yet so passive-aggressive with others as you try to control your environment? What are the emotions that are swirling within you? Do you even recognize what they are? Can you figure out where they're coming from and why they're there? What adaptations have you made over the years? Adaptations that prohibit you from living the authentic life that God has given. Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to help you come home to yourself? Over time, these adaptations become our reality. They become what's normal for us. And when that becomes normal, it's really hard to see uh, that other realities might possibly exist. And when we think that what our view that we adapted is normal, then only an extraordinary encounter with the truth is going to shake us free to be able to say, ah, I see that's an adaptation. I can let go of it now. What was it that Jesus said? The Holy Spirit that lives in you will lead you into all truth. This is so vitally important for us because if we're to come home to ourselves by entering into the, into the fullness of life that God has given us in Christ, then we've got to learn to recognize these adaptations, to um, possess them as our own, yeah, that's who I am, so that we can surrender them to the Lord. Some people are blind to the adaptations they made. They just don't see them. Other people are so ashamed that they think they're going to be rejected if other people know their secret. No matter what the reason, whether we can't see it or we hide it, either way, the result is the same. We're not able to, if we can't possess the adaptation we've made, there's no way to surrender it. Because one cannot surrender what one does not yet fully possess. For me, I was blind to the shame I carried. I was blind to how it made me act in ways that were contrary to Christ's will for me. To me, my anger, my standards, my rules for daily living, that was just what was normal. That's the way I was, and that's the way everyone should be, quite frankly. And when I got married, guess what expectations I put upon my new wife? And I can tell you, it was not pretty the first couple of years. It took me a couple of years before I could actually begin trusting Anne enough to share these deep fears and shame that I had, things I didn't even know I had. And here's the funny thing, I didn't realize that I needed Anne to show me what I couldn't yet see, and she needed me to show her what she couldn't yet see. That's the role of community in all of this. We'll talk about that next week. We cannot surrender what we do not yet fully possess. I had to get to a place where I could possess some pretty ugly things about me. I had to get to a place where I could say, I am, and then fill in the blank. We all need to do this. I am selfish. I am greedy. I am a gossip. I am slanderous. I am angry. I am lustful. I mean, whether, no matter what it is, we learn to fill in that blank so that we can possess it and surrender it. 
Sometimes this insight comes from the Holy Spirit inside of us going, take a look at yourself. Sometimes it comes from people around us talking to us. And many times it comes from both as the Holy Spirit's testimony matches with the testimony of the people that we love. The Psalms teach that one of the first steps in coming home to ourselves is by inviting God to take a look at our lives and show us the things that we do not see. You find that in Psalm 19, Psalm 139, other places as well. Because it's as we listen to God and as we listen to the people around us, that's where we learn how to take off the old self and put on the new. Ephesians 4 puts it this way. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Throw off the old self, being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Let the Holy Spirit, who is in you, who leads you into all truth, let the Holy Spirit renew your mind, your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions. And put on the new nature, which is the very character of Christ himself. I like to think of it this way. God made for each and every one of his children, he made us a brand new set of tailor-made clothes, and he hung them in the closet of our lives. He then comes to us and very lovingly, he just lovingly says, I've given you the clothes. I've given you my spirit. Now your job is to rely on his help to put those clothes on. While COVID has not been a good thing at all, there is one positive thing that has come from COVID-19, this pandemic season. I, I think it's helped us to recognize the adaptations that we've made in our lives. I, I kind of think of it this way. So the adaptations we make are kind of like um, these ketchup packets here. See? We've got these ketchup packets. On the outside, the ketchup packet is nice and clean. It's neat. It's kind of nice. I mean, this one's from Sonic. It's personalized. This one is red gold. It's got different colors on it. It looks really nice. And they're so convenient, you can carry them and you don't even know you have them. That's not always the case, though, right? There are times when the external pressure, I'm not going to do it, don't worry. <laughs> the external pressure gets so great that the contents of the pack begin to squirt out sideways begin to leave the pack in other places. And sometimes the pressure is so great, boom, there's an explosion. And it makes a mess all over the place, staining people and yourself. Online work and online schooling leaves us at home together all the time. Communicating online while continuing social distance week after week just adds the pressure. Realizing that our attitude toward, let's say, things like um, pandemic response or church or politics, our attitude can be different from the attitude of others, and the attitude of others is just cast broadly across social media, often in unkind words, and we begin to question what's real and what's right, and we feel that pressure come down upon us. And so the COVID-19 thing, layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of weight is placed upon the adaptive ketchup packets of our lives until eventually... The pressure was some great, things squirt out. And the staining stuff that squirts out, COVID didn't create it in us. It's always been there. We're the ones that packaged it. We're the ones that made it look nice. We're the ones that made it easy to carry. But it comes out at these times. 
And we tend to feel like um, that we're the only one that feels this way, right? No, we're not. Everybody's struggling right now. I mean, there's a reason that mental health screenings are up 112% over last year, that suicide screenings are up 475% over last year. There's a reason that people are drinking more, eating more, binge-watching more, <laughs> as we attempt to use our adaptive selves to meet our needs and to make things right and bring us home. Wretched people that we are. Who will free us from this terrible mess? Well, you and I already know the answer to that. If Christ does not live in you by his Spirit, then your adaptations, that's who you are. You don't have a choice. Ketchup is going to fly. But if Christ does live in you by faith, then you don't have to settle for ketchup stains. That's not your norm anymore. Ask God to show you those things that are hidden from your view so that you can see them, possess them, and surrender them to him. And when he does show you to them, and he, it, when he uses another person to make you aware of them, please, remember to respond to that person with the grace, humility, kindness, and patience of Jesus Christ, because that person is expressing love to you. Anne and I have ketchup moments practically every day. Many times now we're able to, uh, to catch it before it explodes. We recognize the pressure's coming. We go, wait a minute, something's going on in me and I don't understand this. So we're able to talk it out. Other times, like last Friday night, bam, it goes everywhere. And when it goes everywhere, the person that does the staining needs to, graciously, or needs to um, humbly ask for forgiveness. The person who receives the staining, and maybe it's a number of folks if the kids are involved or if there's a larger group, if it's a small group or whatever, the, per the person or people that receive the staining must graciously offer complete forgiveness right then and there, and then together, those involved clean it up. Cleaning up by asking, what happened? What was that? What was motivating? Why was I feeling this way? Why did you respond that way? It's fascinating when you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth, and you begin to recognize that this is the process of taking off and putting on the new self. Looking to ourselves is not the solution. It is only the Spirit of Jesus living in us that will guide us into all truth and provide the power we need to move forward if we choose to rely on him. All right, let me leave you now with just uh, two bits of encouragement for you that uh, I just was thinking about. Uh, two bits of things that, um, that I've learned along the way. So first of all, uh, if you are among our congregation, and I know there's more than a handful of people like this, and it's okay, okay, there's no judgment in this. If you're in our congregation, and you feel like you are so messed up that God would never want to see you, that God is like just putting up with you because you're the problem child that he's got to have. Because of that, then, you keep yourself distanced from God. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, you try to hide from him and he walks past. I want to offer to you this one verse from Ephesians 3. This is the truth, all right? This is, what, this is what's said about you. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come fearlessly into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome. <laughs> See? I can tell you, when you walk into God's presence, his face lights up with joy. He is delighted to see you, and that is the truth. 
Carry that. Put that on. Let go of the lie that tells you otherwise. The second thing I want to share is a word for all who join me in crying out, how long, O Lord? Because if you're like me, there are times when you go, oh man, am I still struggling with that? You're like, I thought I was done with that so long ago. Well, there was something I learned uh, during a trip to uh, Ghana, West Africa in 2005 that I want to share with you. So in 2005, I went to Ghana to um, create a ministry partnership between the church I was then serving and uh, a ministry that had its uh, headquarters in the city of Accra. And in one of our last days there, our hosts took us to the Atiwa Rainforest, which is just a little bit northwest of the main city. And when we got there, we were walking along, and um, as we were walking the forest past, the obvious happened. It rained heavily, and we got drenched. Because that's what happens in a rainforest, right? You can expect it. That's just what it's going to be. And after a, a, a full soaking, we were walking along, and we realized that we could look up, and through some of the cracks in the canopy, we could see that the dark clouds had passed by. The sun was actually out, but it was still raining on. You see, even though we were technically free from the source of the rain, the residual water that re remained on the leaves of the tree canopy continued to fall on us with quite some force, keeping us wet, keeping the path slippery, making our journey a little difficult. Friends, I'm here to tell you the good news. No matter how wet you feel, no matter how long it's been raining, no matter how slippery the path you're on, the sun has come. Jesus Christ has stolen the rain of sin. He's pulled it away from your life. The water you experience, the struggle you have is temporary. It's just residual. It's left over. And it will soon evaporate and go away. Because while we are currently free from the power of sin, not yet free from its influence, so let's work together to encourage one another, shall we? To encourage one another to take off and put on, to encourage each other to keep listening to the Holy Spirit, to encourage one another when the ketchup packets of life break open in front of us and to say, it's okay, let's work this out together and figure out how you can take off and put on. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord as he shows us the way we can come home to ourselves. You pray with me? Lord, your word assures us that you will complete the work you started in us, and it reminds us that while we wait, we are to work with you in your greatest of works of all, of helping us put on the new clothes you've given. Open our eyes to what we can see. Heighten our awareness of those hidden things in us. And help us recognize, Lord, what you've done for us, that we might embrace the truth of who you made us to be, Jesus, you restored our relationship with the Father. You repaired our relationship with others. And you even went so far as to heal the relationship we have with ourselves. There's no name more beautiful or powerful than yours. Mm -hmm.